I'm Rick Gillis, I'm with Tilly Beverage Company, and uh, I'm glad you're here. Thanks for taking time. Uh, thanks for and hopefully your participation because we'll leave time for questions at the end. But a little off script, I think it's important uh, because today is Veterans Day. I don't know if everybody remembers, but it was 103 years ago uh, when World War I ended. The armistice was signed on the 11th day of the 11th month and the 11th hour. And that marked the end of World War I. And it took, what, 36 years until 1990. And it's a day every year that we honor those that have served our country, uh, those that have passed. We also specially honor them on Memorial Day. Uh, but with that said, do we have any veterans? Please stand up. Veterans, please stand up so we can recognize them. It's got a, a deep meaning uh, for me because I grew up in the military. My dad served the United States Air Force for 23 years. My entire childhood was from one base to another. I've been born in England and spent most of my childhood in Europe. So these holidays really matter. They matter to me, and I appreciate your, uh, your respect. So today you have to thank the veterans for their service. So find a way to do that before the clock strikes midnight. This is also an important week uh, for our industry because it was only five days ago. If you go back to Prop 215, does everybody remember that? That was 19, and that's when the first place in the country became legal for medical cannabis. And if you think about the profound impact that has had on the industry and for so many people that need this plant, for medicine. It's really, really profound what happened. Uh, and think how long it took. And by the way, it was not a landslide victory when that happened. It was 55% uh, yes to 45 no. Uh, but with the industry prevailed, and there's a lot of pioneers and honor in this area of the country that led that effort to free the plant, uh, at least for medical. And we know we're at 37 states today and growing that will legalize medical cannabis. And that we must honor and pay respect to because that led to Prop 64. And we're in still the first inning of a very long game in figuring out what is happening. Uh, not just for the cannabis industry from an adult recreation standpoint, but for the cannabis infused beverage category. And I personally am entering my 39th year in the beverage business. I've now walked three in this industry with the Tenley Beverage Company. So it's been a, uh, uh, a very challenging journey and there isn't anybody in this room that's part of the cannabis industry that won't admit this is a very, very difficult business. Uh, it's hard to make money are collectively committed to what's possible. And I'm going to talk about that today. Uh, I've got about 25 minutes. I want to leave some time for questions. Uh, but the first slide on the screen really presents the company. Uh, we're Canadian-based in Toronto. We've been publicly held for a little over five years. And uh, it's been quite a journey. And I'll tell you, every company starts with an idea, and so did ours. And I'll get to that in a moment. But next slide. 
the, the board of directors and the office of the CEO would be terrified if I didn't uh, come clean on the uh, forward-looking statements, the cautionary statements of a publicly held company. Everything you're seeing today is uh, available on our website. And everything I say is not meant to influence you in any way otherwise about whether or not to take a position on our stock. <laughs> this is purely my personal uh, opinions and passion about this industry and the role that beverages are playing in it. Continue. So simply put, the Tinley Beverage Company is a pure play cannabis beverage company with one slight caveat to that. I'll get into each of these planks of the business model as we go through the discussion. But you can see right away that we have uh, established a very large scale infrastructure facility for manufacturing beverages. The middle of the screen tells you that we're also doing our part uh, to build the category in a unique way that plays off of the alcohol-inspired uh, beverages that we produce in our Long Beach facility. And over to the right is an unintended consequence that we have never intended on doing, much less did we intend on doing scale manufacturing. And I'll tell you how all this evolved. And that's to evolve for our company. But over to the right is a brand portfolio called Beckett's that we actually sell in e-commerce. Uh, we actually launched in Bevmo a couple of years ago, and we also launched in the state of Tennessee. But for all intents and purposes, it's an e-commerce brand that's organically growing to meet the needs of the sober curious consumers, a lot of those of which are in our industry coming to Canada's. Next slide. But the thing we're most passionate about is the fact that we want to help And there's nothing more important than safety and quality when it comes to manufacturing beverages. And I would submit that the role that beverages are playing are unequivocally one of the hardest things to do for cannabis. The beverage manufacturing in and of itself requires tremendous amounts of capital, equipment, equipment and sophistication and people that operate the equipment. What you're looking at is our, what we call our Italian sports car. That's all-purpose-built Italian equipment uh, from the Comac company. So you're all welcome to come to Long Beach anytime you want to come check out our facility. But that's a, a beverage line that has tremendous capacity. We can produce anything on that bottling line from a little 8-ounce bottle to a 2-liter bottle in glass or by density plastic. It's a closed-loop system, which really matters to beverage quality. Manufacturing, it's really important that liquid doesn't get much interaction with air. Uh, we all know that things can happen when you open a beverage and the environment begins to impact uh, and can degrade we also are weeks away from commissioning the can line, uh, which will perform at the same level of speed that the bottle line does. And uh, back in the first quarter of this year, we commissioned that I am shocked as to how many units we've already produced on that line, and all of them being 100 milligram 200 shots, which speaks to an interesting transformation and transition that's happening inside the cannabis industry. But let's be clear, beverages are playing a big role in expanding the industry and welcoming new consumers to it. We often call those consumers canna curious 
that prefer not to smoke, they don't want to eat it, but want to do something that they're quite comfortable doing, and that's drinking. Uh, I think you've gone too many slides ahead. Let's, okay, so uh, again, you're welcome to come to Long Beach. The other important uh, enhancement that we've made to the facility, and we're in the commissioning process right now, is a 20-foot-long tunnel pasteurizer. Why would you need a pasteurizer for cannabis drinks? So you actually do to do products like dealkalized beer that require heat and a tunnel to give it the proper preservation that the liquid needs. And that's also an important enhancement. It also allows us to produce products that would prefer not using another application, which we're also going to enhance in the facility called Melbourne. But the tunnel actually allows us to produce products that don't want to use preservatives like sodium benzoate, potassium sorbate, you know, citric acid, phosphoric acid, what have you. It's a great way. It's commonly used in the dairy industry, but for beverages, for cannabis, it's uh, it really a tunnel is the best method to preserve a product uh, and give it the kind of shelf life that a drink needs to go through the uh, supply chain for cannabis which we all know takes a little bit more time. Uh, next slide. And we're obviously very pleased to, uh, to support these brands that uh, we made announcements around. Uh, apps will be, uh, hopefully some of you will be able to stop by because they're going to serve uh, not your father's root beer floats. And I'm going to go have one tonight with 10 milligrams of THC. Cannabis quencher. Uh, is actively involved in our mini line. Uh, they are also leading the way for a two-ounce shot with 100 milligrams. Uh, Sip Elixir is the number one cannabis drink in Nevada. We helped launch their brand in California. Uh, Colasso, we uh, were anxious to get them into production because they're going to move from a bottle to a can. And we also have Ben Kennedy in the audience who's going to be speaking today. We'll be launching his brand table and he'll tell you more about that later. Uh, continue on. Now I mentioned we launched, uh, this was really the way the company started. Like I said, every company starts with an idea. And ours started with this crazy idea that we could leverage the world's number one selling cocktail. Anybody know what that is? For 30 years, drink, call drink in the world. Margarita. Margarita is the number one drink, and uh, that is still the number one cocktail that is uh, called when you go into a bar. And our founder had a brilliant idea because he was much more a cannabis user than he was alcohol. Wouldn't it be cool if we could take the world's number one selling cocktail and take out the alcohol and infuse THC? The question that he had like six, seven years ago even before we had the benefits of nanotechnology that are now more scaled than ever. And that's how the company was founded, that we could literally build a bridge from a $250 billion industry that thrives on one fundamental factor that we would love to leverage for our industry. Drinking is socially acceptable. And I don't know how many millions of people went out and the first question that the server asked me wasn't what I wanted to smoke. 
didn't say we've got nicotine, we've got cannabis, we've got vape pens, we've got bongs, we've got all kinds of things that you can inhale. They didn't ask me that. And I bet you out, you all went out to dinner last night and probably asked you the same question. When you go to a holiday party this year, I bet the first question they're going to ask you when you come into their residence is, what would you like to drink? That's a powerful question that we're not yet in the consideration set for. My goodness, what have we got in front of us where we can be part of that consideration set? Would you like a cannabis drink? We've got this, we've got that. What's your dosing uh, uh, requirement? It's, uh, it's a start. And we thought bridging off of an industry where, frankly, it's wonderful. I participated, I used to work in the beverage alcohol industry, uh, and it's a stage setter. It's, it's, a, it's a relaxing way to you know, end your day, to start a meal, uh, but it's not necessarily something that you should drink for an onset, because we all know headaches and hangovers aren't that pleasant. So you drink just enough to satisfy whatever that elevation you want from the beverage, and now enter a cannabis beverage where you actually want to get an onset. And there's all different ways you can achieve that at different levels based on your tolerance. So you can see our alcohol-inspired lineup. Uh, we're super excited about these. We've been out in the market now in California for over three years, starting with our margarita, which is the Stone Daisy. Uh, we trailed with the, uh, another top-selling cocktail-inspired called Moscow Mule. Of course, we don't use alcohol terms. As we all know, that is not something that you can do based on the regulations, but uh, high horse is code for Moscow Mule. Then uh, given the heavy Hispanic influence in our state, we thought it would make sense to do something around a uh, Paloma. So Mystic Dove uh, satisfies that taste preference. That tastes like tequila and grapefruit soda. And then our uh, Juniper Sky, which I'll take personal responsibility because those are the cocktails I like. So we launched a, a gin and tonic that we call Juniper Sky. And then over to the right are our uh, alcohol-inspired, think of these as mixers. So our uh, Arabica cask is modeled after Kahlua. Uh, our coconut cask, uh, an award-winning drink from Emerald Cup, no different than our High Horse, uh, is a uh, coconut rum-flavored drink, uh, similar to Malibu. And then you have Amaretto, and then good old Fireball, which we call cinnamon cask. So that's a way to really elevate your mocktail experience, but cannabis infused. And we're microdosers, so we do five milligrams uh, per serving. In a 12-ounce bottle, think of those, you know, hanging out by the barbecue, having a couple of those, or you can mix your own drink. Next slide. There's good old Todd Chrisley. He found out about this drink called Beckett's, and he's not a fan of alcohol. I don't know if you're fans of the show, but Chrisley knows best. Uh, and growing up, Chrisley are our top shows on uh, NBC Studios, on the USA Network, and he has become a national spokesperson for that. So think of our two portfolios that bridge between, uh, like, like I call, sober curious consumers and our Tenley's lineup for kind of curious consumers. Uh, next slide. We've got some good penetration out there at BevMo. Uh, next slide. And just a bit on our, uh, our team, and that pretty much uh, ends this section of the presentation. And I know I'm getting close to, uh, to winding up, but go ahead and, uh, and finish out there so we can get on with it.
Baron Davis is also on our advisory board. You might remember him, ex-NBA basketball player. Uh, but we've come quite a long way in the last three years. And the other thing to mention that I think is equally important because we've learned a lot uh, and stepped up an even higher level of sophistication around formulas, but we are expanding our brand. We're a Canadian-based company. It's, uh, it's really important that we launch our beverages in the country of Canada, which, you know, the, those are the two largest marketplaces for cannabis. Come back down if you would. Uh, Canada and California, the two largest uh, cannabis markets in the world. So uh, we have uh, signed up with two LPs in Canada, Bev Canada that's going to produce our ready-to-drink tonics, and Peak Processing is going to handle our elixirs up there, the cash products. So we're in the final stages with Health Canada, and I'll tell you, based on our experience and others that have done business in Canada, the standards for Health Canada are even higher than the standards for FDA, without question. And so we've we're been actively going through the testing protocols and processes that uh, Health Canada requires, and we're very excited to keep moving through the process and get our drinks launched there sooner rather than later. But that's a very exciting development for us. We also have an eye towards expanding across the country uh, with our Tenleys lined up, uh, but right now we've got our hands full in California. And, uh, and now, that really concludes that part of the discussion, and I wanted to close with uh, a little bit more of a, uh, I guess, a, a voice to the industry about you know, where we're at and where we're going. We're still a very tiny, nascent share of the cannabis industry. I mean, depending on what reports you look at, headset, BDS, we're anywhere between 2 and 3%. So it's very, very small. And I get a lot of people asking me at times, do you really think beverages have a chance? Uh, I'll tell you, I think our growth is going to be exponential. I think we're just scratching the surface on what's possible for this category for a simple reason that drinking is more socially acceptable. Uh, depending on the style of the drink and the ingredients in it, it could be a much healthier way to consume cannabis. We benefit from nanotechnology, and I know when our founder was speaking here a couple of years ago, uh, he talked about the barriers for the category, one being, you know, science, and uh, the fact that, you know, cannabis molecules are not water-soluble, well, thanks to technology, thanks to some brilliant PhDs and the work that's going on in that community, uh, it unlocked the potential for cannabis to be consumed as a liquid. That's powerful, and the science continues to improve around taste, onset, offset, clarity. Uh, who knows what else is possible? I always love stealing a line from Dr. Harold Hand with uh, Vertosa, who uh, closed one of his podcasts with uh, a fascinating fact that I, I'll never forget. For 4,000 years, humans have survived on two molecular compounds for six drinks, I mean, if you think about it. Six beverages we've gotten by with for 4,000 years thanks to two molecular compounds. One's ethanol. We all know that's the technical term for alcohol. So three of those drinks, beer, wine, and spirits. The second molecular compound is caffeine. Uh, I think we all got a bit of that this morning. But coffee, tea, and Coke have been powered by caffeine for many, many years. And now you introduce the cannabis plant, the cannabis sativa plant that has 113 and growing molecular compounds. 
that have yet to be researched and studied for how they can help humans. As I mentioned, I'm almost four decades into beverages. This is the first time I've ever been able to manufacture, sell, and distribute a beverage that can satisfy humans in two important dimensions. And there isn't one other beverage that can do that. We can satisfy consumers with a health and wellness dimension. When you think about the uh, cannabinoids that are available uh, through CBD and CBN and CBG, and then you have the all-important, you know, yet-to-be-exploited potential for THC-infused beverages. We are clearly on to something here. But the one most important message that I can send to all of you and the entire industry is there are two very important non-compromising deliverables that have to be met by all manufacturers, and that are two very, very important things, safety and quality. And I was thinking, and I'm sure most of you probably flew in uh, to San Francisco or Oakland or wherever you, you got here from. Uh, what I didn't see when I walked down the jetway was, you know, one of those A-frame signs with the pilot and the hat and the, the four lines for a captain and a little caption that said, 98% of our flights get to their destination. 98, I would have taken in high school but a 98% guarantee that I would get to San Francisco safely, I gotta tell you, wouldn't have been enough for me. That, my first question was, well, what about that 2%? What, what happened to those people? Airlines operate at a standard called Six Sigma, which is 99.99966% uh, success. That means there are little to no defects and it's a measure of standard deviation against outcomes to make sure that whatever you do is done right every time. We've been in this industry now for three years, and I've seen people walking around with package containers uh, where you opened them up, maybe you had a bottle of water, maybe a soft drink, an orange juice. Uh, none of those products had a COA, not one of them. We all just turned the cap. Now, did anybody look at the label on the back and check, call the 1-800 number, customer service, and say, hey, I've got a lot. This was produced on this day. Please tell me that everybody showed up to make sure that in the plant that they followed good manufacturing practices because I'm about to put this in my stomach. I'm not going to pour it on me. I'm going to put it inside my, my mouth. It's going to be inside here. Please tell me. I know you guys don't have to do COAs. Is this safe to drink? Did anybody do that when that wine got opened or that cocktail got made for you? Did anybody question knowing that they don't have to get certificates of analysis on that batch of vodka that was made or that batch of orange juice or that soft drink you had? Did anybody once think about it? Please, did anybody question and go, my God, this is a personal thing I'm doing. I'm actually going to open my, my mouth and I'm going to put this inside my body. Nobody questioned it, did you? You know why? Because for over a hundred years, beverage manufacturing in the mainstream world, whether it's beer, wine, spirits, soft drinks, energy drinks, sport drinks, they own their quality. They have R&D departments, they have quality departments, they have all the things that make sure that what comes out of that facility is safe for human consumption. And we must, 
achieve that standard for this industry. Uncompromising commitment to safety. What we can't have is one bad experience. I hate hearing somebody say they had a cannabis experience that wasn't good. And we've got to up our game to make sure that whatever we do that comes out of any manufacturing facility, beverage, edibles, or otherwise, meets the quality standards that we expect. Thankfully, we have a safeguard called the required state lab testing process to make sure that everything in that beverage has been tested and satisfies so that it is safe for consumption. The weather industry has to do that, and we're going to hopefully over time earn our stripes, our trust with consumers that they know what they're about to do is safe for consumption. Quality, uncompromising quality. And for those that attended MJ BizCon, you might have heard the opening address. Uh, the, uh, the message was loud and clear. We need to start preparing for FDA standards. And I can tell you, if one day we want to sell these drinks in Walmart or Costco or 7-Eleven, they're going to want to come to our facilities and make sure that what they're going to put on the shelves is good for their customers. They have things like, now you can't sell your drinks in our stores unless they are SQF certified, GMP certified, now, every facility goes through its proper regulatory approvals and permitting, but there are no C of A's in those industries. It's left on the quality uh, control systems that are in each and every facility. And if you think about the, the few three year, the, sh the, the short few three years we've had since 2018, it's been a whirlwind. When you think about everything that's happened from, you know, the regulatory requirements on closures and containers and opaque this and emulsion and science and onset and offset and distribution, I mean, and think about quality from seed to shelf. And for us that manufacture through the distribution, it doesn't have to be a container that's open. It ha what, what if a bunch of beverages are traveling in Palm Springs in the summer in a truck that's not refrigerated? That's going to hurt that beverage. It's going to ruin the outcome for the consumer. So my biggest message for contract manufacturing is we have to up our game to levels that are uncompromising commitments around safety in our facilities, safety for the consumer, and that quality experience is delivered consistently at a Six Sigma level over time uncompromising. There can't be shortcuts taken. If you screw up, you dump the batch and you start over again until you get it right. We cannot miss delivering an excellent experience, a delightful experience for every consumer that opens a cannabis drink. And I, and I speak from a collective audience of, of manufacturers in the state where we all need to think of ourselves as one family pursuing this goal to build a category from nothing. And we're in the first inning of a game where we're in a very slow adoption curve. That's still a challenging barrier for us is getting access to the consumer. It's, it's not easy. It's very difficult in the environment that we're in. Uh, but we are on our way, and I have tremendous passion and commitment for what we can all build together. And I was telling Sid earlier, uh, I'm looking forward to when this conference is over at Moscone Center. And I think we're maybe a decade away from being in a, in a room that has, you know, 5,000 people that are listening to what's going on in this category. And then next we'll be at the Las Vegas Convention Center. But you can tell I'm super excited about what we're doing here, what we're building together. 
and I want us collectively to have a commitment to the two uncompromising you know, facets of, of making products that people are going to put inside their bodies, and that's safety and quality. So I think with that, I'm, uh, I'm ready for any questions that anybody has about anything we've discussed or not. We'll bring you a microphone. If you have a question for Rick, if you'll raise your hand, and Megan will bring you the mic. Um, question is, uh, what happens to a cannabis beverage that is not refrigerated, like you mentioned, that would sit in a warm truck? Well, any beverage that's manufactured, one has to go through a, a rigorous set of you know, stage gates in quality from formulation, making sure that all those ingredients are uh, copacetic with state. It's like cannabis and dairy powder can't be together, cannabis and caffeine unless it's naturally occurring, cannabis and alcohol. Uh, there are showstoppers. So us as a manufacturer make sure we go through a rigorous process to make sure that that formula, the ingredients, and all those ingredients need to be coa before they come into our facility. Uh, then it's off to the emulsion provider to make sure the shelf life stability studies are done so that that product is not going to degrade under extreme cold or extreme heat. And we know what happens and how long that product can last. But one thing's for certain, a cannabis drink that's gonna to go to Palm Springs in a, in, a in a truck that's not refrigerated should never happen because that will degrade uh, not just the potency but the flavor constituents inside the product. So it's not just the fact that the product's properly preserved either through a tunnel pasteurizer or with sodium benzoate or potassium sorbate. You know, think of a Diet Coke uh, or any diet drink uh, in soft drinks. If it's in plastic, it, it only has a 90-day shelf life. And that's because of heat and UV impact on the product and will start oxidation. So step one is a drink should never travel to the desert if it's going to be in a van over 100 degrees that will affect the efficacy of the product and the quality taste. It's not gonna hurt anybody per se, but it's not gonna be the pleasurable experience that we want the beverage to have. So again, quality standards from manufacturing through distribution and even in retail. We wouldn't want products set up in the window where the sun is hitting those beverages. That's why you don't see convenience stores putting beverages. They shouldn't be putting them outside, much less against the window. Thanks for the question. Um, Lathan, go ahead. You got the mic. Yep, okay, great. Um, can you talk about uh, building successful relationships with a contract manufacturer like yourself for independent brands and, and how, you find, um, how, how you find success in, in that relationship with some of your best relationships with your independent companies that you're doing manufacturing yeah, for? That's a good question. I, I, you know, like any relationship, the, you know, just like safety and quality are important to beverages, you know, trust and transparency is super important in any relationship that we build with a partner. I mean, we look at it as a, as a really important relationship because most of our clients are unlicensed cannabis companies. So we're gonna be working to, to protect them throughout the entire process. But it's, you know, we're in a very, interesting time because the demand for our services and all of the other manufacturers is is immense there is an awful lot of interest coming to the category 
But we treat everybody that comes to our door with dignity and respect, and we welcome and are excited about all the new ideas that are coming to us, and it's absolutely insane what's coming through our door for beverages. As, as a follow-up, is there like a, a certain amount of production that you feel a new company is getting started needs to bring to the table in order to make it worthwhile, things like that? Yeah, so there are, you know, depending on the, you know, the type of equipment you have, I mean, in, in our bottling and can lines, you know, we have certain requirements so that we can optimize, you know, the, the capability of the equipment. Uh, for instance, our, our batching tank is 1,500 gallons. That's a lot of liquid, and that can produce 16,000 filled 12-ounce bottles in less than four hours. But we've got to be at least half full in there to optimize the agitation. So a 750-gallon batch, if it's 12 ounces, yields about, you know, 8,000 drinks, and that's a perhaps a bit too much to bite off for a startup. So we're actually working to offer a smaller level of minimum order quantity so that people can get a beverage out for proof of concept before they go all in and have to spend, you know, 30, 40 grand to try a new beverage. But it depends on the package. We have, uh, you know, better flexibility on our mini line because uh, we use 500-gallon tanks and we would need to get to 100 gallons again because we're not going to compromise being able to produce that product in a high-quality way. But the can line's no different because it feeds off of our same back-end processing equipment. But we're anxious to find ways to help folks get stuff into the marketplace because we, we welcome proliferation. We want this category to explode. We want consumers to be forced to see when they walk in a dispensary tons of drinks. I mean, think if you walked in a 7-Eleven and there was one door for beverages you would probably walk out and go, they don't do drinks here. I mean, we frankly, we're only in, in coolers and dispensaries because they had to, you know, refrigerate concentrates. And there was a shelf there to throw a few drinks. You know, now we need specific coolers for drinks. But this is the early stages of a category that's finding its way inside of a dispensary infrastructure that, frankly, is not overly ready for them. Back rooms are small. They're big, they're bulky, they take a lot of space, and they take a lot of education with bud tenders. So we're, we're in this, again, we're only three years into this. You talk about manufacturers that don't need COAs, they've been at it for over 100. And that's why we're in the early stages of building trust and, and confidence with consumers. Uh, did that help answer your question? Indeed. We had one last question over here on the aisle. You had a question? Oh. Latham had a question. I know this guy. He's going to ask me a topic. Hey, Rick. Um, you and I have had a lot of conversations about nano, right? That's, um, we'll put that aside. What's the continuing demand for full-spectrum extracts? That's a great question uh, because, you know, heretofore, with most of the beverages that we've been producing and, frankly, our own, is, you know, we're, we're receiving and, and, frankly, requiring a distillate that's got 90% purity of THC because that's the style of drink that we want the consumer to have. Uh, and that distillate, as you know, then goes through a process with a science company that's going to emulsify it with surfactants and, and then homogenize those molecules so they're in the right nanometer size. Uh, but what hasn't been really explored, I think, to a large extent, is what Latham just asked is, you know, where's the, where, where's the industry going around full spectrum? Because that, if there's any you know, knock against a beverage is you're not getting that full spectrum experience that you do when you smoke it. Uh, and I think that 
that deserves more attention for beverages because that's what I think we all want is is a more you know full plant experience with all the terpenes, all the the cannabinoids, uh, and there's certain science. Uh, companies out there that I think are cutting edge and, and building towards those outcomes. But again, now we're talking about shaping experiences in ways that can really deliver a beverage to a specific consumer based on an outcome they want. Right now, it's, it's pretty much a, you know, a, a few trick ponies out there doing THC dominant or CBD or a, or a mix of both. But again, this is a discovery phase we're all in. Consumers haven't yet figured out what their dosing requirements are. It's going to take time. I know the two-ounce shots we're making with 100 milligrams, I'm not there yet. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever be there that I could dump two ounces and 100 megs in one shot, but, you know, calling on bud tenders, I'll never forget one lady that I showed our drinks to. She goes, dude, I'm, I can't, I, I, I need 50 to warm up. Five? I'll have to drink that whole case. So there's different consumers for different needs, but uh, Latham Full Spectrum, I think, is, is a place that hasn't been fully exploited yet and, and what it can do for folks. But I want people to come uh, with drink ideas that can help you, you know, get up in the morning and drop in your coffee or pick you up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or help you go to sleep at night. There's all kinds of needs that consumers have, and the fact that cannabis use, the number one reason which is, depending on what you read, anywhere between 60 and 70% of the reasons people enjoy cannabis is for one reason. Who knows what it is? Anxiety. And if there hasn't been a lot of anxiety lately in the world, I don't know if there has been, but anxiety is the number one reason to consume cannabis. And I'd like to think that there's some other occasion states that can be met uh, and more delightful through a beverage. I want people to drink a cannabis drink because that's what they do at the end of the day. That's what they do when they're enjoying a meal because it's the right taste, it's the right feeling, and it just makes their evening that much more special. But the other key thing we need to make sure we're not missing out on is that other thing we're required to put on the label that we should want to put on the label. That this product, it impacts people's capacities, right? It is a mind-altering substance, and you shouldn't operate machinery. The last thing we want to avoid are articles that we read or come through our phone about drugged driving. That's not good for our industry, and we do not want to go down that path. We want to make sure that when consumers enjoy this product, they know what's going to happen, and they're in a safe environment to consume it. Remember, adults 21 and over can consume cannabis, but they need to do it responsibly, period. It's not like, oh, I could do a couple joints and a couple drinks and I'm good behind the wheel. In fact, I even drive better behind the wheel. That's not, that cannot happen. But thanks for the question. Uh, it's been great spending time with you. I hope you enjoy the conference. There's uh, a lot of great speakers to enjoy today. I'm sorry that I'm missing out on Tracy Mason talking about House of Saka and the work she's doing to build off the, the wine industry. Uh, we're on to something, gang, and I hope you join me in the excitement and the future that's ahead of us. I just want to make sure that we do it right. So thank you for your participation and attention.